All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> this is actually happening. The real deal. Yo. What's up, girl? This is like really happening right now. Is it? Is, is this, this thing, thing on? on? <laughs> I like it. What's up, y'all? My name is Casey the Don. And I'm the Busy Bree. And this is Styling a Story. Hello. Welcome. Um, let's talk to him a little bit about what the heck is Styling a Story? <sighs> Styling a Story is the dynamic between two black millennial women who are navigating life, its ebbs and flows, maintaining healthy relationships and friendships, trying to find this supreme level of self self-acceptance, all while putting that shit on. You heard her? Putting that shit on, okay? Um so where where in the world do we even start this? Uh I think I'm gonna start with a fit check, okay? Because perfect start. We we ain't doing nothing with a story until we styling it, right? So, first and foremost, our fit checks are a little bit different. They're not get ready with me's. They're not um, brand awareness fit checks. They're no. really more of vibe checks through the clothing. So, I felt that it would be appropriate when I was thinking about, damn, like what do I want to do for our first one? I'm gonna give you the Casey Don starter kit. Yep, with my fit, right? So. I'm a hat girl, been a hat girly forever. Um, this in particular is my favorite style of hat. It's a 940A frame. I didn't even know hats had numbers. Dog, yeah. Like you heard of the fitty cap, right? Like, yeah. Don't do me. No, no, no. I'm saying, but it's like, it's a 5950. It's a I style, yeah, of hat. And you have like 47s, which are like your dad hats. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, they're all made different. Okay, well, that's good to know. Right, so this one. It's a 940. 940s are usually snapbacks and adjustable. Um, my favorite. Uh, and then I'm a hoodie girl. This one in particular is a Renaissance hoodie. Um, that's on purpose. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then I've got on these um, swishy, cargo-y, 90s feeling kind of black pants. Um, they're by Rocket. Uh, said I wasn't going to do brand awareness, but, you know, a little bit of, mm-hmm. a little bit of something, something. And then just to wrap it all up, I am a sneaker chick. So I did this with um, a pair of bread fours, which fours are one of my favorite Jordan silhouettes. So I have my bread fours. If you don't know what the bread four colorway is, that's just a black, red and white with a little bit of gray. And then I did my with some white laces just to be a little a little different, a little something different. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. So that's the Casey Don starter kit. Very Hat, much so. Hoodie. Cargos, some J's. Keep it simple. And for me, so I'm wearing this black crew neck and the words on the crew neck say I'm evolving or she's evolving. I'm she. And I am very much in an era of evolution. Like Mm. 2023 was crazy. Okay. Some stuff happened. Okay. A doozy, if you will. (laughs) Um, But I just have this overwhelming feeling that 2024 is my year of evolution. I'll call it a renaissance because, of course, that has been the theme of 2023, really. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that to just to really bring in the vibes of 2024 and then also to support a black woman owned brand. So this I know we said we weren't going to do brands, but I'm always going to shout out a black woman. Okay, Um, this crew neck is from Black by Amina. And then I paired it with these amazing cargos from Joelle Megan. Hey, friend. My girl. 
Um, this is my first time wearing them with an outfit. So I'm super excited to support her because she launched this brand this year on faith. And I also think that that is just so relevant to us being in this moment right now, us recording episode one. So I just wanted my whole fit to just emulate where we are right now in this moment. So shout out to black women um, and shout out to black by Mina and Joelle Megan. Y'all go support them. Dope. So, um, I think you got a, I think you got a hot take for me. Yes, I do. So I have a question for you. What's the question? Why does somebody else have to get it for it to be a great idea, a solid course of action or the right thing for you to do? Mm. Why does somebody else have to validate that first? So to give you a little Mm -hmm. bit of context, you know, we talk all the time. Yes. About, (laughs) yeah, about everything. And this is stemming off of a conversation and kind of a brain blast, if you will, that I had um, and just some of the things that have been going on in my life. But to answer your question, why does somebody else have to get it for it to be a great idea, solid course of action or the right thing for you to do? I think it doesn't. Hmm. And I and I and I say that with the caveat being that we are not taught that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. We are taught to think that. In order for things to be worth doing, enough people have to sign off on them or enough people have to um, second them or endorse them in order for them to be worth doing. But I saw a clip on TikTok of Queen Latifah talking about, I wasn't totally sure of the context of the entire conversation, but one thing that she was saying in it is that there may be people that you know that have the resources to help you do what you need to do, um, but if they don't have the vision, they can't do shit for you. Mm. And I was like, whoa. Because God gave you the vision, not them. Whoa. Because a lot of times we think that if we identify people that may have the finances to help Mm -hmm. us do something or the network to help us do Mm -hmm. something, that that is all the qualifier needed in order for them to be on board. But what she was saying is, all that is great. All that is aside. But... If they don't have the vision that you have, Mm-mm, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Because the Nothing, pieces aren't yeah, going to connect. The pieces aren't going to connect. And everything that you try to explain to them is going to come with this level of pushback. Yeah. Like, that, you shouldn't do it this way. You exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're going to feel like, well, damn, like, I don't have the resources. And it's like, those resources don't have to come exclusively from that person. And not for nothing, when God gives you a vision, that is the ultimate resource the ultimate source if you will like literally correct so there's nothing there's literally nothing that anybody could offer me just on their own like want to or anything like that there's nothing that they could give me that God didn't authorize to be a part of my story first right so like yeah no that was pretty much it (laughs) but like there's literally no added thing that somebody could give me outside of what God is telling me to do. Do you think that sometimes um, we we fall victim to that probably longer than we should because we are expectant of certain resources to be given based on the roles that people play in our lives? Yeah, I think based on the roles that people play in our lives, based on the way we've seen it done for other people, based on rushing the timing of it all, like I, I think... Ooh. I think all of that plays a part into why we've ever, because 
I think you you started saying this, but like we've been taught this. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe now, of course, we all have choices and we can better ourselves. And a lot of us are doing that work now, but not for nothing. Our parents didn't know any better. True. So they weren't teaching us because they were like, it's this way or the highway. They were teaching us because this is how they were raised. This is what they were taught. So in their minds, this is everything that makes sense. Right. So you have to do things a certain way. You have to ask certain people. You got to network this way. You got to. And I think we were the first generation to be like, mm, but I don't want to do it that way. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think too, that going back to the question, I think seeking validation kind of usurps maybe God's greater purpose for certain things. Mm. Right. So like, think about who are you seeking validation from and for what purpose? If, if there's something that you want to do that nobody else in your family has done before, what would their validation even mean? It literally would mean nothing. Yeah. It wouldn't mean anything. And it, and I think that's a, that's a tough thing to, to maybe hear or maybe a difficult thing to say, but I feel like it's the truth because I think sometimes we pedestalize certain people in our lives and we don't evaluate that like hey this person is not even equipped <laughs> to weigh in whoa on like this literally over here. like this person legit you don't even know it they literally don't even qualify yeah to get you to where god said that yeah. you were gonna be yeah and you think just because you're looking at it from the outside and because they may be in a different position than you are you think oh they got to know what they're talking about. Like, I have to do it the way they did. God get, didn't give them your vision. Right. He he just didn't. So I think at some point it becomes a matter of us internally advocating for ourselves mm -hmm. and saying, like, what the resources that you have within, the resources that God has given you, though it may seem like little to you in the moment, it is enough. Like right. what you have in this moment, in the moment that God gave you the vision is enough. All he needs you to do is take the first step. Right. And sometimes after those steps are taken, wait for further instruction. Mm -hmm. Not sometimes. All the times. All the time. Yeah. If y'all didn't know, it's going to be a whole lot of Jesus. Yeah, it's, 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 like, a, it's <laughs> a lot of faith based. <laughs> Get down over here. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, you know, this this platform that we're creating is not um exclusively for that mm -mm. there's a lot of well-roundedness there's a lot of duality because that is life right mm -hmm. so who you are talking to are women that are very spiritually grounded and god is at the center and Absolutely. forefront of how we govern so our he lives gonna come up in yeah he's gonna, he gonna come up um that being said i do think that sometimes we um we are afraid. I think there are instincts that we have to kind of create that bit of separation between mm -hmm. the people that we value and the validation that we seek. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes people think that, oh, because I love this person, they are the things that they say or the things that they think are the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not mm -hmm. because all of these things are contextual, right? Sure. Again, going back to if my parents never did what I'm trying to do, they are not the people 
that are placed in my life to assess, evaluate, appraise the thing that I am trying to do that they have never done. Yeah. They're, they are not the blueprint for that. I may be, in fact, the blueprint, mm-hmm. the cycle breaker, the person that brings a level of nuance. And they may not have, again, the qualifications mm-hmm. to dictate what that journey looks like for me. And a question I would have for y'all, a question I pose to you is, who are we not as individuals to be the right type of soil for God to plant something crazy, right? <laughs> Why do we have to be like a um a this analogy about to be fire or no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but for real, like why do we have to be this um continuation or this this uh reincarnation of somebody else and not the first because that's scary yeah it is it's it's scary to to realize that you are literally if we're talking about I know this is general but if we're talking in the context of breaking generational curses Mm -hmm. right to be the first in your family to do that that is so scary it's heavy because everybody has been doing it one way for generation like literally multiple generations before you so you risk let's just say what it is like you risk isolation you risk being separated from the people you genuinely care about Mm -hmm. you risk burning bridges Mm -hmm. not because you want to but because people don't see it the way that you see it like I think the moment we realize that like this eye gate that God has given us, right? He's given us all a gift and the ability to see things differently. Right. And that's so amazing. Like, that's great that we, me and you do not see things the same. Right. But in some cases, when our parents can't see it the way that we see it, mm-hmm. it's like, well, damn, my mom hasn't called me in three weeks because of something that I said that I mean, yeah, that I'm standing on, yeah, that I'm not taking back, but I miss my mom. Like you, you risk things like that. So it's scary to be the first to do something, right? It's just, yeah, it is. And I feel like um, I'm I'm the oldest. Child, me too. And I think that th- <laughs> I've had, we've had conversations about that too, that, that being that oldest girl, that oldest child, really the oldest girl. The, okay, I was about to say, the oldest girl is. That oldest girl, mom Where dynamic is, is my woo, compensation? Woo. Scott Farron. Woo, that is the, don't forget the James, okay? Oh, I forgot Scott Farron. <laughs> don't forget the James. James Scott Farron. And if you're from Memphis, that would be Gaddy Keltner, Bienvenue Montezzi. Anyways. Yeah. Law firm. Okay, well, James Scott Farron. They've been in business about 57 years. Um, Where is my compensation for being the oldest daughter? That oldest daughter is the strongest man you know. I'm (laughs) the (laughs) oldest. I can't take credit for that. I saw that on the internet, and it was the most factual thing I think I've seen It's literally so true. And I am both of my parents' only daughter. Only an oldest daughter? Are you insane? Why would you do that? That got black very fast. (laughs) <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is <laughs> but for real like that is the you know because you are you are the 
test crash dummy. You are the guinea pig. You are the the pillar. You are you are you're you're the prototype. And yeah. the thing about it is, is your siblings get to be proteges. Mm-hmm. I'm the golden child. You want to know how I knew I was the golden child? How you know, girl? <laughs> how did you know? My, my mom and stepdad put my high school diploma like right center above the TV in the living room. Mine. And it was is that just a thing? A, is it? I don't know. It do was. You, it was just a, mine. Is, is there a painting of you too? No, I got no. All right, so my my graduation picture is a painting. Um, oh, my graduation picture is up there as well, but it's not a painting. Yeah, my stepdad. I should ask him. My stepdad is a really great painter, like artist in general. You want I him to do that now? Kind of. I mean, it feels like <laughs> feels like you have one. I want one. I be go get you. Say, yeah, get it. Do it. Shut up. Because my brother got a picture, but mine's a painting though. I just think that's so intentional. <laughs> like I'm clearly the golden child, and it's mine is up top. Like it's at the it's at the tippy top. Yeah, mine yeah. I'm gonna check when I go home on Sunday and just evaluate the scene. Yeah, I'm gonna see if they've added anything. Okay. So, <laughs> I love this. You can't tell that we we love this, but honestly, I do think that like being the the oldest girl, it's I mean it's a gauntlet. And it, I think the struggles that you have, even on the back end, like at first everything's all beautiful and merry and stuff because you're the only child. But then mm-hmm. everything that you go through, I think there's this standard that almost feels impossible sometimes because yes. you're not oh even allowed to just grow up. I was always hit with the you got younger siblings watching you. And I was mm-hmm. still a child myself. And it's just yeah. kind of like I, I can't be a role model to them at 15. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure this is the case for you. I don't know. I've never asked, but like I was the oldest and first everything. Like I was on my mom's side, at least I was my mama's first grandchild. I was both of my mom's sister's first niece. Mm. I was literally like the first baby. Mm -hmm. So when my aunt started having kids, I am now the person that they look to, to show, like to show the people coming behind me how to do things. Yeah. And like, even my, like my little cousin's a freshman at a and and my brother, my oldest younger brother, younger brother is a junior at Winston-Salem State. Mm-hmm. And like, they have often said things to me, like, I'm just trying to be like you. And I know that's something that we say in the black community but they mean it in like a I saw you get two degrees I saw you do x y and z but I I'm constantly reminding them like you saw that but you didn't see the times that like I didn't want to go to class because I was heartbroken over a nigga in college like you didn't see the times where me and my friends had some sort of issue that we had to work out as Teenage adults. Okay, let me break that down. I saw Ooh, this somewhere I like the other that, day. Actually, so like our twenties was literally us being like they might have said toddler adults because an eighteen year old, though legally an adult, you are a is child. still a teenager. Yeah. So when we hit twenty, it's like we just started walking. Right. Like we just turned one, and like we're singing our ABCs and things like that. Um, just had to make sure, child. We all good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, had to make sure we're still recording, y'all. Um, but like, I think, I think I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? You were saying that the twenties is like oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. years of adulthood. So it's like we're still babies in our twenties. Like there's ten years in between us turning twenty. And then us turning 30 and the world just expects us to figure it out. And so we expect ourselves to figure it out. And when we don't, we feel like we're behind. Absolutely. And the question that I used to just just burn my ass to pieces is why do y'all feel like you're supposed to be <laughs> so successful and you're supposed to be? And it's like, um, because y'all were the same moms posting everybody's accomplishments on oh Facebook. God, yes. Y'all were the same people telling us, oh, you not not if you're going to college. Which university are you going to? So it's not, it's like y'all set the bar. I was a Jack and Jill kid. And Mm. the thing about it is, is like the pressure that came with that, even like coming out in high school and having grown ass women and people's mamas thinking that they could treat me different because I was gay and their daughters was out here doing Lord knows what. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but it's the truth. And it was like the level of like cognitive dissonance and hypocrisy that exists in these spaces that are supposed to be meant and created to uplift the black community and further nurture us once we have uplifted ourselves. It does the opposite half the time. And I think that, you know, the pressure to constantly perform has whooped our asses. And when we finally mm-hmm. are trying to take our power back, we get all this pushback from our parents, basically gaslighting mm-hmm. us, asking us, well, where did all of that even come from? You're too hard on yourself. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, and <laughs> this, this is just the truth. This is my truth. Both of my parents were, they had high expectations of me. And I, I don't think that is a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing to have high expectations for, not, I don't think it's a bad thing for parents to have high expectations of their children. I think the bad thing comes in when those high expectations lead to me feeling inadequate when I don't meet them. So like, I can honestly, there was a difference between my mom and my dad. My mom had high expectations for me, but if I did not meet her expectations, it wasn't, like this huge thing it was like a okay baby like how can we do better what Mm. like do you need extra help it was like that but for my dad it was like oh you can do better like you got a b okay why isn't it an a and i'm like but it's a b bro (laughs) like b is for bro like because i don't understand b is Um, for b fucking for real like and i would get like twenty dollars per a on my report card you got paid yeah and it's like it's great to incentivize it, but so there's nothing for a B. You're like you're telling me there's nothing. But my thing is, my thing is, even <clears throat> with stuff like that, it's like they make it where it's like, well, you set that standard, and it's like, but I am a human. I'm not a machine. So there are going to be times where I am better in a subject yes. than other times, and yes. it isn't a matter of application or lack thereof. It may be that like I'm a fantastic social studies, English, mm-hmm. creative writing student. And I may really struggle in math and chemistry mm-hmm. because I don't know if anybody is aware, but sometimes that is how a brain in fact like, works. No, literally. That's literally <laughs> how that works. You have two sides for a reason. One is yeah. a lot more mathematical, logical. The other is uh, responsible for your creativity. So 
if you are somebody that is really adept in a certain area, you will typically always strive in that area mm-hmm. with not as much effort. Mm-hmm. And other areas may just require a hell of a lot more effort and you may not your weakest point, you can make it stronger, but it doesn't mean it's going to be as strong as your strongest point. Mm, that's good. And I think that people have to yeah. understand that is yeah. that even if I improve this, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be I'm going to fire on all cylinders. Yeah. Right. So I think that a lot of what we've probably both gone through and experienced mm-hmm. is that not a failure to launch is maybe what they would call it in some some regard, but just this realizing I'm not interested in a constantly moving goalpost. Yeah. I I want to figure out where I fit and how I can be a contributor mm-hmm. because I, I'm not interested in being great everywhere. Nobody is. Nope. Nobody's great at everything. Because then the, people start expecting too much from you, Jeff. Girl, what? It's like being good at washing the dishes and then your parents are like, oh my God, but you did so good the last, like they try to trick you into washing Yeah, but it's like, I don't, I, I still hate this. I, still I don't do not enjoy this. I don't care how this much you compliment it. Yeah, it's still a chore. And it's like, it's not, the praise does not remove maybe how I feel about it. And I think sometimes that's where some of, of the manipulation yeah. can come from. Mm. Um. So do we put a pin in that? <laughs> we may have to, we may have to get back to y'all on that one. Did you, I feel a, I feel a little segue coming. Was that a horse? No, it was a segue. Oh, okay. Back. Fair. Okay. Yeah, do y'all know what a segue is? It just went over. The thing that Paul Blart, the, the mall cop, he be mm-hmm. on when they be leaning and shit, I think that is hilarious, but it's called a segue. I don't know. I nodded my head, but I'm actually not sure that I knew that that's what that was called. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a scooter. Where is your scooter? Do you watch Real Housewives of Atlanta? <laughs> do you know that reference? <laughs> Where is your scooter? Okay, so <laughs> I love it here. Did you see? Well, I know you did. You saw Renaissance. I sure I did. I think I'm gonna. I, I want to see it again. I think I'm gonna go next week. But woo, a lot. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, Where are we at on time? Is the question? I, I don't know. know. I have no idea. What? Whatever. Where do we see that? It's somewhere up there, over there. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Bye. Battery exhausted? Tied. (laughs) The camera just died, y'all. The camera said battery, like it literally said battery exhausted. The camera said, I am tied, okay? I have had enough. Y'all, we're going to pause Our camera is a black woman. Right here, because that is the funniest shit. That that thing didn't say dead. (laughs) It said battery Exhausted. All right, so we're going to take our first break and uh, a styling story. We'll get back to you shortly. Yeah, we don't have any ads yet, but they'll come eventually. So we'll be back. Bye. So picking this bad boy up where we left off. We uh, met. Let's get into this this Renaissance movie. Yes. Let's get into it. Um, I feel like notably everything or... The part about Renaissance that everybody has like focused and picked up on is her saying, I am finally at a place where I just don't give a fuck. Mm, and the fuck was important. It really was. It like, was definitely important because I, I think, oh, my bad. No, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> nah, the fuck was important for somebody like Beyonce because we are so used to seeing her buttoned up. And oh, that's true. Yeah. Not 
like we don't get to experience the humanity and womanhood of Beyonce until she's ready for us to experience the womanhood and humanity of Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's earned her right in her career to be able to be no holds bar yeah. with how she feels about shit, anything. I think that ties into um, what we were talking about, like on our break about the people or not the people, the women that we're in community with Sid said that, she feels like we all have figured out who we are, like down to the the idea of like the way our clothes fit, the way we wear our hair, like we know what works for us. And I think Beyonce has found what works for her and what works for her is doing whatever she wants to do. Absolutely. I think that's so beautiful. Like, I think that's so like just thinking about having a conversation with her, thinking about if I were in her shoes and I had arrived to this place, I can only imagine how freeing that feels. Oh my God, what? Like to finally be like flying. I know that that just seems so random to say, but I feel like she's flying now. And we, from the outside looking in, to us, she's always been flying. Like she's always been midair, right? But watching the Renaissance film, it's like you can see it happening. For sure. And she says it. She was like, you know, for the past 15 years, like when they were commenting about the dancing following her knee injury. And she was like, shit, even after I was healed up, like, you're not going to get, I'm a singer. I've danced. I've danced. I've, I've injured myself. I've battled. I've done all these things for the past 15, 20 years of my career. I'm moving into a new phase in my life. And, and not for nothing. Her ass is getting older. She's 42, man. Like what, what do we, I remember when the tour first started overseas, right? Um, where is it? Europe is where she started. Um, I remember one of my friends, I won't call her out because you were wrong. But one of my friends was like, she ain't doing no dancing. We pay all this money for these tickets and she not even dancing. And I'm like, the clips that we saw from Europe, she was moving. But I I really feel like she just, I think she still gave great shows in Europe. But it just wasn't the shows that she gave in the U.S. Like, And she was literally straight out of surgery because yeah. my mom was at the the mm, london okay. show and oh, she, you just tell me that. she had the same critique and it's like when you watch the movie you go wow because she I, i'm based on how she was rehabbing because i've injured my knee as well i'm pretty sure she had a torn meniscus just the way that she was the exercises that she was doing the mm-hmm. way that they had her rehabbing the way that she was laid out on that table yeah post-surgery like she probably tore a meniscus, which that's cartilage. And you can't do that kind of stuff with your knee messed up like that. Was squatting and 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 twerking and bopping and did you know doing all this stuff at the show, and we really had no idea like no. that she had like come from, basically come from surgery to stage. Yes, forty four days no break. None of us, the, the way that we can sit up and critique and, and talk shit about it. I ain't it, doing it. None of us can do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you got to no, I would have had to tell y'all, we're going to have to postpone this. Facts. There are lesser performers that have postponed shows. But that Virgo, th- 
that's that's a businesswoman. Beyonce is a Virgo if I ever seen one. For she sure. said she gonna get that uh, shit done. One one monkey don't stop no show. One knee surgery don't stop no show. This is happening, whether the ass like it or not. Like I just. I left, I, and I know this is so cliche to say, I feel like everybody said this, but it was the truth. I left out of the theater so inspired. I, and I can honestly say, I am for, if you didn't know, I mean, my name is the Busy Bree, and my business is the Social Hive. So, like, obviously, that is some deriv- derivative from Beyonce in some way or another. The Lord gave me those names, but Thanks. um, I just walked out feeling so inspired. Like, I can create my own lane. I can go on my own path. I don't need the validation of others. All I need is a word and a vision from God, because if... If we're thinking about vision, right? She talks in the film about the things that she saw, the things that she wanted. Yep. There is no way that that show would have been what it was if God did not give her a vision to see it that way. And it was four years in the making. We're talking Th- about insane. fortitude. We we're talking about steadfastness. We're talking about intentionality. We're talking about commit. We're talking about things that like, in order to pull off what Beyonce was able to achieve with Renaissance, my takeaway from Renaissance was the concert was purely content for the film. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Purely you, content for the you film. You are the visuals, baby. Yeah. Purely content for the film. Mm-hmm. And it's like when people were like, why are we getting these long ass intermissions? It's like, bitch, because we're getting backstory for when the movie come out. That's why you got the long intermissions. Yeah. It's like it all makes sense. And, and then that's also why. so they can break stuff down and go ahead and get it carted off to the next city exactly. i thought that was cr- i'm exactly. like there's a literal machine working that we have no <laughs> no awareness of and so i think the way that she did it and how artful it was i think it's something that we all have to that i think everybody that watched the film was able to pull back and look at their own lives and go that's a woman at the end of the day mm-hmm. she's a businesswoman at the end of the day she's a performer at the end of, this is her job she, and then on top of that is a mother she's a mother and a wife like seeing those kids cling to her i mean i always knew like ju- i mean just based off what i see on social media as much as i joke and say that i know beyonce i don't really know that woman um none of us do really sh- we know what she wants us to know thanks um but like i always knew that she had this closeness with her kids but being able to see it because in um, the homecoming documentary, we really only got to see like Blue because she was the only one of age enough to, you know, be interacting with her in that way. Um, and Rumi and Sir were just babies. So she would hold them. But now they're talking. They're holding cameras, recording her like they can bring her sandwiches. And it's like. <laughs> Did you notice how much of a black mother Beyonce Girl, is? Girl, that's what Blue, I love. When they was talking about taking um, Diva, Diva out, out <laughs> and Blue was like, no, no, no. She said, Blue, I really want you to have an opinion, but you cannot just be interrupting people. And it was the she look. T- tone it down. Like, it literally was like, relax. And Blue was like, all right. You know, <laughs> it's just, it was, it's very, it's very, we don't get to see that. Because I like being able to, I, I like her being human. Yes. And, you know, Hollywood is Holly weird. Yes. A lot of our black families are not black anymore. Tell me more about that. The Jacksons, the Rosses, 
they marry Sorry. you know they that wasn't uh, supposed to be funny but, but it's true like yeah. we're gonna look up and they're not gonna be black anymore i mean think about it like evan ross is married to um ashley simpson so yes. that child is only a quarter black okay wait we need to take a step back because i don't know if i just learned something new or if i'm yeah. slow the jacksons the jacksons all of their like Oh, they're offspring. They're offspring. Not them. They're yeah, black. They're yeah, they're black, but okay, they're offspring. I was like, who white? Yeah, generationally, like, we're going to see those families that were these huge black That's, families okay, yes. totally disappear i mean but the rosses were never a black a fully black family no and then that's what's crazy about it is like diana ross got like two black grandchildren to be a black woman yeah with multiple kids that's pretty crazy so when you see yeah when you see somebody like beyonce she got black children black children she's there they are getting a black experience i also appreciated seeing beyonce go back to houston and fuck that fried fish and chicken oh yes oh my god on tour too like we saw homecoming and she said how she was eating and all of that so to see again humanizing her she like no i'm going home and i'm eating good and she said with homecoming she was like i did something i would never do that shit again she did say that she said i'll never do that shit again and i love that she stuck to that i love that she gave that she did not as grand and as elaborate as renaissance Mm -hmm ended up being she she did it her way and i think that um the not placing such a strict just not putting herself on such a strict diet i think that was part of the like free the freedom of what renaissance meant to her because she's like i don't have to put myself on a strict diet to have a body that I admire and that is going to move on this stage the way that I need it to. Like, I don't have to be on this crazy diet, losing all this weight. Cause I mean, she was eating good and drinking good from the videos and stuff we'd be seeing and was still able to fit her little waist into that little thing. Um, uh, you know that thing? Yes. That thing where she put <laughs> her waist. I was like, girl, not you snatched up. What waist? But it's like, she's still, I mean, she's still working out. She in rehearsal. Like, she working her well, ass yes, off. So yes. it's like, to it makes sense where it's like, I'm not going to not fucking eat and then think that I can take my yeah. body through 16 hours of rehearsals. That doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it gets to a point where it's like, for what? For what? Why am I doing Cause this? you, because she the finest woman out there. So I don't know that I agree. With I mean, that. in her field, in her field, yeah, sure. Oh shit! I don't know that I disagree with that part, but like, okay, if I, if we're being, I didn't say she was the finest woman alive. No, I'm actually, yes, she is, baby. Y'all ain't about to get this podcast taken down, and we just started. <laughs> yes, she is. I mean it. I really do mean it. Like I. I, I First of all, I don't know why she was ready to walk that back, (laughs) but something, something kicked in. Maybe it was the spirit of Beyonce that was like, don't do it. Just go. Okay. Don't do that. I will get this taken out immediately. Nope. No. To that point though. (laughs) Take it out. I think for (laughs) (laughs) redacted, I think that Beyonce is just, I mean, she one of a kind. And I I think that, I think that 
she has gotten to the point in her career and in her life where she knows that. So it's like, I don't have to prove shit to no, y'all. No, I have done. I've done it I've put the work in. Y'all yeah. have seen me since I was, what, 12 years old? Like, right. y'all know what I'm capable of. Exactly. You're either going to support it or you're not. Like, I've seen so many, like, hot takes about it. And I'm, I'm totally fine with people having their opinion. Like, I don't mind when people say they don't like her or whatever because that's an opinion but then when you ask why there's no real basis for why oh, you the don't wise like Beyonce. Be bullshit, bro. and then i saw someone say that they were like super excited to go see the film and then they woke up that day and like they just felt drained blah 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 what? and they ended up not going and then they went on this whole rant about how beyonce hasn't said anything about the let's just call it what it is the genocide that is happening right now um and how she hasn't done this she hasn't done that and i'm like and then she even went as far as saying something like the surge in ticketmaster prices and how they've been doing things this year is beyonce's fault and i just want y'all to stop blaming beyonce for everything like everything can't be Beyonce fault. Uh, my thing is why, and I know that I'm asking a question that you know is is as old as time. But why the fuck do we continue to hold celebrities to this standard when it comes to things that they are not even famous for? It's really she's just not certain. A, celebrities, she's not a yeah. political science major. Yeah, and it's not to say because if she says something and she says something wrong or she's she crucified either way, educated Correct. about what's being said then people are going to have something to say about that. But it's like the people that are quote unquote experts are not even experts. I mean, the, we, we looking at who we have elected as oh presidents. God damn. So Beyonce is supposed to be this diplomat speaking on things that are not in her realm of expertise. Yeah. No more than they are anybody else. I think people, I don't think that celebrities are allowed to have private compassion. I don't think so. I don't think they're allowed. Like, we do. We get the luxury of not having to turn our yeah, entire Instagram. Yeah, y'all niggas Instagrams. not on Twitter. Yeah. And, well, some of y'all are. So, I'm not, I'm obviously not talking about y'all if you're speaking out against what's happening in, in general. Not even just what is currently happening. Like, but if we choose not to say, and I choose not to say things all the time. Because I know that I'm not fully educated on what's happening. I know that what I see is wrong and I can communicate that. But if you are looking to me for political commentary, baby, you're not going to find it. I not a politician. admittedly don't even watch the news half the time because it's sad. And I think, too, I think that kind of segues into a, a conversation that maybe we could pick up on another time. But we can touch on here. Like there's micro and macro. Yeah. Right. Like. Mm -hmm. I can't, as a human, I only have but so much capacity. And I think we see that in Renaissance as well. Mm. We only have so much capacity. So I get, I understand having compassion for things that are going on and it's terrible. But it's like, I am a single human being. I do not have the capacity to envelop my entire being into things that, are beyond my are control. beyond my control, and that's really what it is. I I won't say impacting me, affecting me, but to be real, and people have to be real with themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that happen all over the world, they're not impacting everyone at the same level. Yeah, and so yeah. what is everyone's social responsibility at that point? 
like as, a, as a human really upset because the film was being aired in these countries where genocide is happening we're upset that people get to experience joy in the midst of all of the trauma that let me ask you this question won't the film aired in america so um <laughs> ain't the film we expect mm. to have access mm. to things no matter what the fuck the state and condition we gonna pause it right there this is why people have it. what I was saying before we got so <laughs> rudely interrupted by technical difficulties um aren't we experiencing genocide and stupid ass atrocities every day in america like when people go oh there's children that are homeless and dying in africa there's children that are homeless and dying in america literally every place that we visit it's happening asheville the homeless population is insane new york dc houston like it's it's bad. It's everywhere. It's everywhere because the people that keep perpetuating the, the issue that could actually solve it, they don't. But so, y'all want Beyonce to solve but it. But you want Beyonce to solve it. There are whole people whose jobs it is to solve it that don't do their job. They're not. And you think, and listen, before I say what I'm about to say, I think that billionaires do have a certain level of responsibility that they don't always live up to i think that extreme wealth can be problematic depending on how you're using your wealth so that's what i say but i think we get caught up in trying to tell people what they should do with their money are you donating to the causes that you're expecting your favorite celebrities to donate to and I get that they have significantly more money than we do. But what are you doing in your little pocket of the world? Why are you Correct. so concerned with Correct. what? And this is, uh, we're talking about Beyonce, but it's so much bigger than just her. Like, she's not the only one that people, well, it'd be seeming like she's the only one that people talk about. But she's not, realistically. What are you doing? I think that is a, and I'm pointing the finger at myself too. Like, what? What are you doing to help or provide support for these issues that you're wanting everybody else to make a big deal about? And all you're doing is talking about the people who are not making a big deal about it. Right. Because my thing is, at the end of the day, I don't I don't hold people to a standard. I'm not able to meet myself. Yeah. At any level. Right. Mm -hmm. So whether it's somebody in their emotional intelligence, if I haven't done the work. I am not going to sit up and pick at you about work I haven't done yeah. on myself. Yeah. So I get annoyed with people in their the way that they pedestalize folks and make them responsible for things that they're just not responsible for. Yeah. And it isn't about well they have the platform. That's not their platform. Politicians are the ones that have the platform and they make a mockery literally of the platform that they have. They create America these is issues. Yeah. They create these issues. And then you want people that are famous and visible for other reasons to be the ones to come in and, you know, bring salvation to the rest of the world. It's like, that's not her job. Her job 
and she's doing her job. When you looked around at that concert and you looked around in those theaters, the various types of people that showed up in a single spot, she's doing her job. She's doing the job that she was set out to do. She's doing the job that y'all are paying her to do. Exactly. She's doing the job that y'all are paying her to do. You, She's not on anybody's she never ballot. Somebody that talks, not really, that talks out like against or for political situations. And when she has, it is rallying behind black yeah. causes, which yeah. as a black woman, that's what I would be doing too. If I, if I had the, the, the status, the platform, and it took her years to do that. Yes. That's the other thing. People were so pissed at the fact that it's like some people were acting like they just realized Beyonce was a black woman <laughs> for a long time because for a lot of her career, she was just Beyonce. Yeah. And when Beyonce took her career over, she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I think you have it very confused. Mm -hmm. I am a black woman from Houston, Texas. Okay. I have no shame about that. That is integral to my story. I'm a Creole woman. Like, I am black. Mm -hmm. In some of the most culturally rich ways. And my career on the back end of things is going to reflect that. And yeah. that's exactly what the hell she's doing. Even with how she is raising and rearing her kids. Even with how she is showing up and doing things on social media. It's like, yes, Beyonce is a class act. She knows the business well enough to know that I'm gonna, you're going to get what I decide to give you. Mm -hmm. But you don't get to write my narrative. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we can all take a page out of Beyonce's book for sure of how to navigate our 30s, how to look forward to our 40s. Because yes. she said that, too. She was like, girl, I thought I had made it at 30. And she was like, I'm in my 40s. It's the best time of my life. And I think for millennials, she is the eldest millennial. She's 81. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're 94 babies like myself and Brie. We're the tail end of it. We grew up looking at Beyonce yeah and for her to say hey it didn't happen for me at 30 when we looked at her career and it's like it did something happened right. for me at 30. <laughs> but what she was saying is mentally yeah she was still working in her 40s she is she is arriving to a place of peace and that was my biggest takeaway from the movie was that Beyonce got everything anybody could ever ask for mm -hmm. and the one thing that she has not been able to obtain in this 27 year career so far is peace it's peace so when we out here hustling and then trying to figure it out and trying to you know get validation and it, it's like beyonce ain't even found and chasing peace. a Ugh. dollar like Girl. i understand and of course know the value of a dollar i know that we that money makes the world go around figuratively and literally but if i don't have peace and I have a million dollars in my bank account. Was it even worth it? It doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. I don't even have the mindset at that point to be happy about what's in my bank account. Because I'm not happy with what's in my heart. Mm. I'm not happy with what's like causing my body to have aches and pains. Because the things that we deal with in our environment they live in our bodies so if we if i don't have peace none of that none none of what's in my account nothing nothing matters so it is vital that as we go into our 30th chapter our 30th lap around the sun that we 
are intentionally seeking and finding peace. Correct. But I mean, and I say it like that and, and we can wrap this up so we can go into the next segment, but I, I take back the way that I just said it. Cause we don't have to look for peace. Peace belongs to us because God gave it to us. Mm. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that another person can do to take it away, but we are responsible for safekeeping it. Correct. We are responsible for, guarding it with our lives literally like we have to be the only we look for outward protection of the peace that God's given us and that was never his intention so I am going into this next year being intentional about how I'm handling and caring for my peace I love that um I think that is a perfect way to go into the venting yes our (laughs) last segment our last segment um So the vent is really our place to kind of bring to you all, to each other, um, some some lessons, some takeaways, some ah ahas, some epiphanies that we've had, you know, might even be a story time. Yeah, just just a place for us to have a little debrief about what's going on and and a touch base with each other Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe some food for thought for you all to to chime in and, and, you know, connect with us on. So. Um, for me, I wanted to talk to you about this idea of momentum and right place, right time. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, uh, my brother does music and, um, I'm on a song with him and it's his first single. I'm super proud of him. Dangerous out on all streaming platforms right now. Go, Go download get that. it. Go get that. Um, yeah. So it's Jackie Chan featuring Casey Don. Um, we got a chance to perform it at a local spot in Raleigh, and uh, it was fire. Mm-hmm. It was really, really I dope. I missed it. You know, it's plenty more coming. I can't wait. But it was, it was dope. Um, we had a little dance to it. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was really the reception was great, and the takeaway from that was well, actually, the next step from that was posting it on to social media platforms when it dropped and so I ended up posting a clip of us doing the dance with the track over it and that daggone thing got like 6,000 views which hey listen no that's a, okay don't even that's a lot for me yeah that is a lot that's a lot for me I, I'm not somebody that has a heavily trafficked page yet yet <laughs> yet but that was a lot and it was like that many views in a day and it was one of those things just like, wow, people loved it. People I thought it was really, really right dope. Now. It's probably plateaued a little bit. I'm going to go see. Keep but talking. yeah, so the takeaway from that was when I was talking to my friends about my own pursuits with music. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a conversation. We'll <laughs> conversation for another day. Yes. But my <laughs> own journey with music has been one of a lot of starts and stops for various reasons. Y'all, Sid used to be... <laughs> At the Free Expression Tunnel at NC State University for the cipher. What's the every Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Every Monday night. Killing it. Okay. So fans of hers, I'm a fan. Thank you. Have been waiting on her to actually step out creatively, creatively in this way. Um, and so it's just been a joy to watch. I just wanted to say that. But she used to be 
Tons running them ciphers. Okay. I appreciate it. I really do. Um, I I love music, but not a but. I love music. Period. That being said, it has been a sore spot for me and a challenge just because life. You know, there was a lot of push for me to have more practical pursuits mm-hmm. um, because I was educated because of other things that, you know, I really didn't have any control over, but I felt like myself in that space. And what I was letting my friends know was I want to ride this momentum. Yeah. I want to take this as an opportunity to really dive deep into all of the other creative pursuits, which is how we got here on this podcast. Yes. This wasn't an overnight thought process. This was, ugh. I've been wanting to do a podcast so long. And I think when we talk about momentum, we also have to go into that right place, right time. Because even when I bought the equipment, wasn't the day that I did the podcast. Yeah. The day that I had the idea to do a podcast wasn't the day I bought the equipment. The day it was recommended that, damn, Sid, you know, we have a lot of conversations. And this is from a whole other friend group. You should do a podcast. And it's like it didn't happen until it was time for it to happen. And I'm so grateful and so thankful that I have a friendship that is also a creative safe space, a creative watering hole, uh, uh, just an emporium of resource, inspiration, fun and and like mindedness that the podcast can now bloom. Mm -hmm. You know, seeds was planted a long time ago, but it's now blooming. And so. For me, this vein- y'all can't see, but I have this big ass grin on my face. A, a shit eating grin. It's it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Trying to stay focused, but it's. I mean, that's real though. Like when you when you see your friends do different things, and you you deepen your connections with certain friendships. Because here's the other thing: Brie and I went to college together. Yeah, but we circled back to each other for just at a at different phases in our lives, yeah. and it's like. That's the thing about it is you have to ride the momentum of really great moments, really great opportunities, really positive relationships. And shit, strike while that iron is hot and Mm -hmm. and really stoke that fire. And don't get to that point where you allow intrusive thoughts or you allow doubt or you allow fear. You allow um this thing where we do it, we limit our ability to do things because we've never seen them done before. Yeah. To stop you. Right. So take that moment where if somebody's saying, Hey, yeah, let's do a pocket. Let's fucking do it. Set the calendar, make the time, especially when people have the capacity. Yeah. I think that's important to note. Um, I think enough people have microphones. So like, we are trying to be as intentional as possible about this space that we're in. <laughs> Y'all, we are recording this podcast in my living room and my roommate and our friend Deb just walked in. And if y'all could have seen the look on their faces, when they realized we were still recording. It's okay, friends. Just come and say hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done. Um, But I think, like I was just saying, I I feel like enough people have microphones. So we want to be super intentional about this space that we're creating for ourselves and with each other. Um, And I think it just, it makes sense to do it now. Absolutely. Totally agree. So, Brie, 
What what heat you letting out your vent? <sighs> okay, so this year I have struggled. Is it a struggle? I think it's a struggle. Challenge, maybe? I've been challenged by this, like, plight of comparison. Mm. And it's been, like, (laughs) crippling, almost. Mm. Um, I am a full-time creator, and I've never been in a... a Like, I I find inspiration from other creatives, and Mm -hmm. I think that is totally fine. But this year, it's been to the point where... Sometimes I wouldn't post something or I wouldn't create something until I went and looked at another creator's page to see how they did it. And then was like, okay, well, mine's not good enough. Or like, I shouldn't post mine, things Mm -hmm. like that. And the Lord has just been really dealing with me about that. Um, I didn't recognize that it was a problem until I went to do that thing that I had been doing for the past six months going to check and see how to do it even though I knew how to do it I was just I was about to start it and then I was like "Ooh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing I started Mm. doing that and the Holy Spirit was like girl don't you go to that like literally I feel like he was like don't you go to that page because like what what makes them more of an expert than you it's been (laughs) I'm really really trying not to cry um it's been a year of seeing a lot of people hit the milestones that like I've been wanting to hit yeah. as a creator. Yeah. Um, and so I would go to their pages. I don't know that I've ever said this out loud, but I would go to their pages cause I'm like, okay, well they've hit the 10,000 plus they've gotten these followers and the brands are coming to them. So they must know how to do it better than I do. And the Holy Spirit has literally been like, no, you're doing it in the way that I assigned you to do it. You're doing it in the way that I provided you the gifts to do it. And so the way, like how I've wrapped my mind around it, I'm literally like, it is a slap in the face of God for me to assume that somebody does what he has given me the gift to do better than I do. Right. Absolutely. So... I am going into this new year, not seeking validation from anyone else, not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm grateful for the community that I have where I get to see it happening for other people Mm -hmm. and know that God is no respecter of persons and he is doing what he planned to do in me. Absolutely. And I am right where I need to be. With my 7,200 followers and counting. Um, And it's only getting better. It's only getting better. I think that's amazing. And I think that's a wonderful shift in perspective. And I think all of us go through that. Yeah. I think I went through that same thing with music. Of knowing certain artists. um, Mm -hmm. Knowing people that are popping right now that I've met personally and have recorded with personally and we the same age and it's like how the hell is she here but I know how she's there because I've had a conversation with her Mm -hmm. when she wasn't there and it was this idea of like I just bet on myself hard as hell and it's like confidence that's the weapon right there 
that's the weapon that knocks all that other shit clean out the sky. Yeah. And when you lean into what God has for you, you understand that you don't get frazzled because you get timing. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't fret because it's like, bruh, if it's not happening right now, it just ain't time for that. And I, we would be doing ourselves a disservice to rush into things that we are not ready for. Correct. Or that are outside of God's timing. Every time I've done something responding to another human being, I have felt fucked up. Yeah. It didn't mean that the thing itself was inherently bad. It didn't mean that the money wasn't good. It didn't mean that I wasn't living well, but I wasn't living aligned. Mm. So you can do something and it'd be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, this and from is the cool. outside looking in, it looks like you're living well. But if you oh are my not God, living if, aligned. If you are not living girl, aligned. Girl, that's good. Put it on a t-shirt. Hey. Wait, no, for real. Merch line. <laughs> Live aligned. Live aligned. For real. Oh, that's so good, Sid. But it's but it's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I've made six figures mm-hmm. and bought a house well before 30. Mm-hmm. I'm still not 30. I did that at 26. Yeah. And had a German car and all the type of shit, you know, but I felt terrible. Yeah. Because I felt like I sold out. I felt like Mm -hmm. I, I spit in the face of my gifts Mm. to go do what made everybody else comfortable. You spit in the face of the giver. Never mind just the gifts. Gifts, Yeah. The giver. God was like, I mean, yeah, I made you mad capable of a lot of stuff, but you don't have to be a, you don't have, there's no, there's no anointing mm. to this. We start pigeonholing God to, I can only be a six figure earner in this traditional way. Yep. I can only be successful if it looks like this. And we've just done ourselves such a disservice and I'm I'm super like this isn't even an episode about us turning 30, but it's just going to be such a pivotal moment for both of us. Like, absolutely. I am looking forward to turning 30, not because I feel like 30 is the magic number where I will have it all figured out. But it's because I feel like I'm entering into an era where I can give myself more grace to figure it out. Absolutely. I don't have to know what's happening. Absolutely. I can literally be in process. And that's okay. And that is, oh, that's beautiful. That's the point. Like, I, it's just, yeah, like, I think I, I want to just go into 30 seeing the process as beautiful. Correct. And not seeing the process as this bad thing, like, because I see somebody else's finished product and I'm still in process and now I feel like my process is ugly. And I'm going to kick it to you like this, Brie. Why would I want to be finished at 29? <sighs> Like to hit your peak, what happens next? Why would I want to? So we, it's like we talk about peaking. You know, we talk about people that peaked in high school, right? Looks wise, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He was, you know, captain of the football team, but he doing whatever the hell now. But now he a crackhead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I know any crackheads from high school. I don't know any crackheads. If you are one, Um, I'm sorry. I did not. I get life is hard, but um, nah. Crack is whack. Yeah, crack is why. <laughs> Go, Bobby. Um, <laughs> but for real, like, <laughs> we talk about peaking in that sense. 
but we don't talk about like if you got everything that you wanted right now what else would you have to and what gain? are you gonna do with what it? you gonna do with it i think that's another thing right like we ask for these things but we don't first ask for the wisdom to steward it well yes like i want so badly for my business to be a six-figure business right now what am I going to do when that happens? Am I in a position right now to manage it? In my right. mind, I am. But if I was, I would have it. That's literally what it is. If I was ready for the things that God has given me vision to see, I would have it already. It wouldn't be a vision. It would be my reality. And it will be. It will be. And that's the thing about it. <laughs> We gonna have to ooh yeah that's we, gonna have to be a separate yes. episode because I got some I got something for y'all with that so let me make sure we write that in the episode notes it's already written in the episode notes oh period <laughs> I said we ready I was ahead of the game because it came it came out of a came out of a sermon she actually sent me so oh, look at that well y'all what what are we gonna give them for a little wrap up just a little quick. We didn't, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't prepare for this. <laughs> okay. We knew it was going okay. to end, have but to, like. We don't have to give y'all anything <laughs> except a thank you if you made it this far and you listened to the whole thing. We are super excited about where Styling a Story is going. We have both seen the vision. I've been having dreams. And if you know me personally, you know them dreams be, be holding some weight. So I am just excited to be on this journey with you, friend. I'm excited about what's to come. I am not nervous about it. I am Mm-mm. just like, I'm. We're here. I feel like I'm living in a dream, and so I'm. I'm grateful to be living in a dream with you. She gonna make me cry, guys. Jesus Christ, I'm getting. Wild. Well, I already did. So no, it's, <laughs> it's ter- my turn. <laughs> Tag your it. No, but no, yeah, yeah, that's that's real. I. It's again. There's there's an anointing here. There's For an sure. anointing and an appointment, mm-hmm. and I think that when something keeps nagging at you and poking Mm -hmm. you and saying hey you don't get to quit you don't get to stop you may not you may not it may not come to fruition Mm -hmm. today but we all know the day you plant the seed is not the day you bear the fruit so say so i think that this journey that we're we're going on and direction that we're going in is exactly what we're supposed to be doing at the exact time it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be happening and i'm so grateful that you was like yeah girl yeah we gonna do a podcast mm-hmm. like yes so yeah this this is a dream for me and if y'all could see how everything is set up we've been in here fangirling like oh like this oh, is shit. happening oh my god this is real wow <laughs> niggas really did this and i think it's it's gonna be even more crazy when we find out that people are actually listening oh man <laughs> that's gonna be insane we're probably both gonna cry in the club and hey, the club is gonna be I'm our fine. house i'm like fine. it's <laughs> It's yeah, we're two very emotional beings. So I just want to prepare y'all that there will be tears on this podcast and we will not apologize for them. We will feel our feelings. We will support each other. We will process together. um, And by together, I mean with Casey and I and then with you all. And so I'm just super excited about that. And stay tuned. Yeah. It's only getting better. Yeah. (laughs) More fly shit to come, guys. This is Styling a Story. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. Oh!
my gosh. Is it still recording? <laughs> We're still recording. 